Are you frustrated with your co-parent? Do you sometimes find yourself hoping that you and your co-parent will one day get along better than you even did in your marriage? Or more secretly, wish your co-parent would meet with an untimely or maybe painful demise. (laughs) It's okay. We understand. We think this podcast will help you learn how to put those fantasies in the past. In each episode, we address difficult dilemmas that many co-parents face and will help you decide should you hold on to the conflict for the sake of the kids or let it go for the same reason. These issues are often complicated, but the solutions can be easier than you think. So get ready for this unconventional ride. You might be surprised it could change your life. Welcome to Co-Parent Dilemmas, where we offer practical solutions to the impossible co-parent. I'm Diane Dirks. And I'm Rick Voiles. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Diane. It's good to see you you? or hear you again. (laughs) Same to you. So anything fun going on in your world? Fun going on in my world. No, not not at this. Oh, I'll take that back. We did go on a one day getaway last weekend for for Memorial Day. And that was You mean Labor Day? Was it Labor Day? <laughs> we we got a one day getaway <laughs> last weekend for Labor Day. And it was refreshing. Good. One day. Yeah, that's that's, that's all, all we you could, could fit in. There. All we could fit in. Yeah. By the way, Rick is a workaholic. <laughs> Lot and to that do. Is, and that is the pot calling the kettle black. Indeed. We had friends come and visit for the Labor Day weekend, and it was really fun. So good. Well, let's talk about today's topic. We got an email from Jerome in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. I've got a situation that's a little bit unique. That always makes me laugh because everybody thinks their situation is unique, right? right. I think, Jerome, you're going to find out it's probably not that unique. But anyway, he says, my kid's mom is completely unreliable. I've had custody of the kids for three years now, and she barely sees them. She has an excuse every time for why she can't pick them up, but the kids aren't stupid. They're to the point now that when she says she's coming, they say they don't want to go because they don't want to get their hopes up. I know she's their mom and all, but I wish she would just go away and not keep making these broken promises. Should I keep trying to get her to see them or is it better for the kids if I just ignore her when she tries? Yes, that's not unique. That's sad for the kids. Definitely. We encounter many situations where the kids are constantly disappointed by a co-parent who, for whatever reason, can't get their life together, can't manage their priorities. Maybe they're in a bad spot in their own lives, but it doesn't matter. It still hurts the kids. Yes. Yeah. So what do you think about this? What do you, what is Jerome really asking us? What I see often in these scenarios, which does happen a lot, we as parents have this strong desire to protect our children from bad things happening, bad feelings, bad experiences. And in this situation, unfortunately, the bad experience we're trying to protect them from is the other parent. But that takes on a responsibility then that's not ours. 
I often see one of the parents trying very hard to create a good relationship between their child and the other parent, when in fact, that's not your responsibility. Yeah, it's hard because you're the parent who has to deal with the kid's disappointment. Yes. And honestly, the parent who's far, far away or doesn't come around much ends up getting put on a pedestal oftentimes. It's kind of like siblings who have an elderly parent who needs assistance. Mm -hmm. You've got one sibling living in New York and one living in California, and the parent happens to be in New York. And the, the child who is dealing with that parent on a daily basis is in the trenches. And they're the ones that are usually getting the complaints yes. from the parent. They're the ones getting yelled at by the parent because nobody... I know you and I aren't far from this. None of us want to be taken care of, right? Right. So we resent the ones that we depend upon. While the sibling in California flies in once every six months and the parent is like, oh, my savior son is coming in or my daughter, my wonderful daughter. Yeah. It's kind of like that prodigal son story, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Wait a minute. I've been in the trenches here and you're going to, you're going to kill the golden calf for him. <laughs> You know? <laughs> yes. But I think this happens with co-parents too. When one is in the trenches day in and day out and the other one comes and goes as he or she pleases, the kids still have an idolized version because it's their hope that that's their parent that really, really loves them. And they'll make up excuses in their head why they'll give the parent a lot of grace. Well, they're probably busy. They're probably this or that. You know, I'm sure they love me because our brains don't want to believe we're not loved by our parent. And it's very frustrating for the parent in the trenches. <laughs> yes, it And is. you want them to just go away. So this is partly an issue for the children, but I suppose Jerome struggles with this too. Definitely. So why does she just get to fly in and out as she pleases? And maybe he has witnessed the kids act like she's the best thing ever when she comes in and they're so excited to see her when they're bad mouthing him and disrespecting him as kids do on a daily basis. Right? Yes. So this question to me is as much about Jerome as it is about what's good for the kids. He's struggling with what he wants and that's mom to fall off the face of the earth. Right. Right so that I don't have to deal with the pain and the kids can resolve this once and for all. But we all know that's not the best for the kids, for mom to go away completely. No, it's a whole different set of struggles then. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think Jerome should do? He's asking, do I try to get mom to see the kids because the kids are suffering without her? Or do I just ignore her when she tries? It's an either or. Correct. My answer is going to be neither. Uh, <laughs> okay. Don't do either one of those. Instead, have a good boundary. That's not your responsibility. If you take on the responsibility then that you're trying to get a good relationship going between the other parent, then that leaves you talking to the child and talking to the other parent. And that's not going to be good for either managing managing their relationship yes instead yeah. recognize and this is the hard part recognize that it is painful for the children let them have that experience but be there and create an atmosphere where the kids can express their disappointment 
and maybe even hostility toward the other parent, and you make that okay for them to have those feelings, it creates a beautiful chance for you to talk to your children and your children to talk to you. And then they can learn things about how to manage disappointment, how to accept the feelings that they're having and live with them and have some good coping skills. And this is also where Jerome may need to be a developmental expert. Yes, I highly recommend that. He doesn't say how old the children are, but let's just play this out. He's got a 14-year-old, 12-year-old, and a 10-year-old who are all maybe in different stages of development. They're going to see this differently. The 10-year-old who's going to be more prone to making excuses for mom because 10-year-olds are parent pleasers, right? Yes, where the 14-year-old may be really angry and I never want to see her again because I'm tired of being disappointed. The 12-year-old stuck in the middle between the two siblings, not sure who to side with. And all of that can be very difficult for the children. So I think no matter how old they are, Jerome's first response when they express disappointment is, I'm sorry that you're going through this, but you need to know this has nothing to do with you. Yes. You know, whatever decisions your mom is making, I can't explain them and don't try to explain away or give excuses for the other parent. I don't know what's going on with mom, but I do know this, that it has nothing to do with whether or not you're lovable. I wouldn't even say I know mom loves you because that's kind of a difficult thing for a child to accept. What do you mean she loves me? If she loves me, she'd be here, right? Correct, right. So their final conclusion is I must not be lovable. And you may have to say a thousand times to your kids, you are lovable, even though your mom is making these choices, and then tell them how many people in their life love them to try to prove to them, (laughs) I love you, your grandma loves you, your teacher loves you, you all the people in your life, you're definitely lovable. So it's not that your mom can't love you because of you, she can't make the right choices because she obviously has something going on in her life. And that's not for me to explain no, I'm not living her life. And there will be a time they will confront their mom, maybe in anger, but probably not right now. <laughs> you know, maybe the 14 year old will, or maybe not. Maybe she has to be an adult to finally confront her mom. So I think keeping the focus on the children's needs at their varying stages is really important. Very important. And that actually turns this kind of into an opportunity, not that we want mom to hurt the children, Mm -hmm. but we have a person here who is going to make poor choices, but those poor choices can create a stronger bond between Jerome and his children if he creates that space for being able to talk. Yeah. So he has to be careful that he's not displaying a lot of resentment and bitterness towards mom. Right. (laughs) Because that's almost as bad as saying negative things about her, saying, you know, your mom's a loser. I can't believe she doesn't come see you. What's wrong with that? That's messed up. That doesn't change how they feel about themselves. No. They're still having that struggle. And I think it's a human thing. We all do that, even as adults. If my spouse really loved me, he or she would stop drinking, for instance. That's right, yeah. Well, that that's not really a true statement. I've met many an alcoholic who have capabilities of loving their family. Yep. They can't love themselves enough to stop drinking. 
but has nothing to do with the receiver of that love. And so it's just a human place that we go to when we don't feel loved, we turn on ourselves and wonder what could I do differently to make them love me? Yeah. And kids are really prone to that. So Jerome's main role here is to convince his children that it's not them that they are completely lovable in their current state and they've done nothing wrong to push mom away. It's, it's not their fault. And, and I hope Jerome, you, you see this because Diane, what you just pointed out was if Jerome continues to say, I know mom loves you, then that only feeds the confusion of the children. They're confused why mom doesn't come. And now they're confused that this is love. And if he keeps saying that, they're going to stop talking to him about what they're really feeling. Or they will grow up and marry somebody who's very distant. Mm. Right? That's what love is. Someone who's not who emotionally you. present. Right. Because that's what I was told during my childhood is that's love. So there's lots of implications. Sometimes co-parents don't realize what you're saying to a young child, especially when they're in that very malleable stage of hardwiring in their brains, your values. You have to be very careful that you teach them that they're lovable and that they deserve unconditional love. And the only way that you can convince them of that is for you to provide it. So if mom can't provide it, then the onus is on you, (laughs) the present parent, to teach them this is what love looks like. Even when I'm angry at you, even when you're yelling at me, even when we get upside down on something, I turn around and love you anyway. (laughs) Right. So that you're convinced that your behavior is not a condition of my love. And if they're taught that by him, they'll grow up and probably emulate that in their own relationships, which is pretty powerful. So the irony is here, yes, I understand you want them to have a great relationship with their mom, but mom doesn't have good parenting skills, which means the solution is for you to have good parenting skills as a response. Yeah. And I think we can't predict Jerome's future, but I've also seen cases where a parent has custody for several years and then the other parent does get his or her life together. Maybe they had a substance abuse problem and they finally have gone to treatment and now they come waltzing back into the children's lives and they want to have a relationship with the kids and we can hold on pretty tightly. And that's probably a subject for another podcast. But even then, it's very important that you do what's in the kids' best interest. And it's always a good idea for kids to know their parents, warts and all. Yes. So I guess what I want to say as a professional is we sometimes think if this parent wasn't in my child's life at all, they would be better off. And there are occasions where that's true, especially in cases of abuse. But even parents that sometimes go in and out, kids still do better when they know who their parent is, even if it's not great, as long as they have one pretty great parent. Right. right? (laughs) And that's hard to wrap your head around. Like I said, when you're in the trenches, <laughs> like, they don't deserve to know my kids. You know? Yes. Well, it's not about you and them. It's about what the children need to go into their adult lives without a lot of baggage. And, you know, you talk about the prodigal child scenario. I think a reframe is also helpful here. Yes, you get all the complaining. Yes, you get all the frustration. 
But what we've talked about before is the child who is doing that, expressing and complaining in, in the frustration, and basically, let's say, being mean to you, <laughs> is the one who feels loved by you. They, <laughs> they feel safe that you are going to continue to love them, even if they're acting out, like you said, with the bad behavior. Yeah. So it's not that you're getting the worst end of the stick. It's that they feel safe enough and they know that you love them unconditionally that you're going to get that kind of reaction. Yeah. And it's also why sometimes kids choose to live with the unsafe parent when they're oh, old yes. enough to choose, right? right. And probably another podcast episode, but that they're actually catering to the parent they think has conditional love. And you, you're just the one that's always there no matter what. And it's hard to see that when you're going through a custody issue or something like that. But just keep being that unconditionally loving parent. It will come back to you in gold as your kids grow up. So I would say let go of trying to improve or manage the relationship that the other parent has with the child. It's the child's responsibility to go and address the other parent if they ever feel safe yeah. to, and you could help them with skills and communication yeah. and the right words, but that's up to them. Yeah. And Jerome that's may consider, job. and Jerome, you may talk to an attorney about this, but you may consider modifying the parenting plan a little bit, given the history that seems to be hurting the children that instead of there being an assumption that mom will pick up the kids every other weekend, we're going to assume she's not. And then yes. she has to give a certain amount of notice when she's going to exercise her visitation. So that instead of having these expectations that are constantly disappointing, we then wait till mom calls and says, I think I'll come this weekend. And then you're able to say to the children, hey, it's a bonus weekend. Your mom's coming this weekend. <laughs> Instead of these constant disappointments where the kids don't even expect it anymore because they're afraid to get their hopes up, which is what Jerome was saying. So there may be value in changing the protocol a little bit in favor of the children, given the history. And again, it's not about the other parent there. It's about managing your children's disappointment or their feelings yeah, their so that we minimize, <laughs> yeah, minimize the damage. Good stuff. Okay, Rick, I think we've explored that and I'm looking forward to what we have next week. Yes, me too. You have a good week. You too. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. We hope this episode was helpful to you. If you'd like to share your dilemma or tell us how something we said has benefited your situation, please call 1-234-DILEMMA. That's 234-362-3445. Or email 1234-DILEMMA at gmail.com.